What is up guys? Welcome to Neb Talks and welcome to the first episode of this NFT Web3 Crypto Podcast. I'm your host Caleb from Nebula and across from me I have Uriel who's also from Nebula. Yuri, how's it going? How's it guys? It's Uriel the Dev and Coder from Nebula. So excited to be here for our first podcast ever. Awesome. So Yuri, I've been in NFT and Web3 space for a while. Mm. Everybody's talked about smart contracts mm. and apparently they are very intelligent lines of code. Mm. What can you tell me about them? So let's break down smart contract for a second. We know like a contract is an agreement between two people or parties. Um, and when you take smart contract, smart contract is agreement between two parties done through code. Now, to break it down a bit further is encoding, there are many languages um, and languages have different abilities to help you achieve different goals and functionalities. And the main language of smart contracts is Solidity. And um, for all people who develop smart contracts, they usually do it on uh, Remix.Ethereum. And um, with smart contracts, you can put in place agreements for, like in the NFT world, where you can buy an NFT and in turn, you give the person Ethereum. So it's a set of rules and agreement placed in code that automatically activates whenever the buyer or the seller engages with the smart contract. That's pretty cool, man. That's a nice explanation. You know, they call those explanations Eli 5. <laughs> Explain it to me like I'm five years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, a lot of the NFTs have been trading on Ethereum mm. um, for much of the time, but I'm seeing more people use other blockchains like Solana, Tezos, yes. um, and I think even Bitcoin to a certain extension is using like some sort of uh, uh, layer that's going to allow mm-hmm. them to do these smart contracts. Can you tell us more about like why would you use another blockchain? Or well, we know like um, especially with Ethereum, the network is very busy. Um, I would say it's one of the most used network when it comes to crypto. The blockchain is always buzzing. People are always buying and selling Ethereum. People are always buying and selling NFTs in Ethereum. So a lot of the time, because the network is so busy, we have something called gas fees, and our gas fees. You can look at it as transaction fees if you want. Like um, the gas station. Yeah, like at the gas station, you know. And in order to get the contract deployed and get moving, you need to pay these gas fees. Um, in order to get like the NFTs, you need to pay these gas fees. And these gas fees basically are a fee you pay that goes to the miner that validates your transaction to go through. And this is all for security purposes. This makes sure that the blockchain is 100% secure, that no one can hack the blockchain also. And we see a move into cheaper areas like Polygon. If you look at uh, Solana, it's much more easier or much more cheaper, I would rather say, than easier to deploy on there. And it's cheaper also for the end user, end yeah. user yes, and the consumer because the consumer doesn't have to pay like $100 now extra to buy an NFT. They could just pay maybe a couple of cents or something like that if they want to purchase an NFT from the project. And so smart contracts can be built on various blockchains. That's correct, yes. So not just Ethereum. That's 100% so, correct, yes. But then smart contracts is not only limited to NFTs because what else can they do because they're so smart? So if smart, if we look at smart contracts, we understand it's an agreement, right? So imagine, put NFTs aside, right? Imagine making a like smart NFTs. contract. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent too much money yeah. on it. <laughs> and imagine like in the future where 
buying and selling a car would be done through a smart contract because it's secure. Imagine buying and selling a house would be done through a smart contract. An agreement between companies in a joint venture could even be done through a smart contract. And even smart contracts could be rejected or rescinded if both parties agree or one party agrees. I mean, there's even a functionality to refund in a smart contract as well if you're not happy. You know, so it's moving forward. It's almost like point of sale system and smart contracts also do stock taking. So it's going to be the future of how people will be buying and selling and interacting with one another, even through cryptocurrencies. So what you're saying is we need more lawyers in Web3? Definitely. We'll need to obviously structure it more because it's code. So Everything is written not like how it is. Yes. Imagine that, hey. <laughs> Imagine building into law school and you're becoming a coder as well. That's pretty wild. It is. So, think about it. Yeah. So, so basically the smart contract will do whatever it's coded to do. Is it adaptable? Like can you because obviously when a company, for example, goes into a joint venture, we can say, okay, cool, we agree that we're going to build this uh, building mm. and you're gonna own fifty percent, I'm gonna own fifty percent, yeah. but Maybe at some point you want to sell you half of your share. So then you want to dilute your 25% to me, which I pay for. But obviously that wasn't in the original agreement. Can you recode these smart contracts to sort of do new things or? I think as we move forward, it becomes more possible. Um, in the beginning, when I looked at smart contracts, initially I thought, you know, once it's deployed, that's the end and all, you know, you can't really adjust anything, you can't change anything, but the more you dive into it, you understand there are methods and ways to set up the smart contract where you can adjust numbers, where you can adjust the figures of like a sale for an NFT. If it was like one ETH, you can then adjust it to two ETH depending on how you code. So I would assume that as we move forward, people have methods and people have developed ways of being able to do what you say. You know, you can sell off your shares if you want. So I think this is just the beginning of smart contracts, but the greater vision is bringing people out to code differently, people to find solutions and develop new ways of doing things, especially with smart wow. contracts. That's amazing. But uh, it's a lot of coding. Like, how, how, much of, how many lines of code is in the typical smart contract for an NFT project? Um, if you look at it, it all depends on how you develop your smart contract. Okay. I mean, so there's different ones. There's different variations. ways, yes. and you can import certain code also to the smart contract. That changes want. the features. That changes the features. You can also um, develop it in such a way that you use less code, because um, the more coding lines you have, especially if you use strings and certain coding languages and values, that increases the cost when you want to deploy the smart contract. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it all depends on how you, you can have a very simple basic one where you buy, sell, and then the person gets the NFT and you can withdraw the funds. Yeah. Then you get other functions people add in where you can see pre-sales. the balance, pre-sales, mint passes, um, yeah. refunds. So it all depends on how you develop it and build it. So um, it all depends on the project also. Yeah, what they're trying to achieve, yes. the functionality of That's pre-sales yes. or, or mint passes, stuff yes. like that. That's pretty cool. But um, I think you mentioned once in a meeting, now of course this is, uh, it happens all over the world, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's a lawyer or a doctor or something, is you misread what you've done mm-hmm. and it causes a catastrophe. You said that somebody minted out a, a project. I mm-hmm. think you were saying somebody developed a smart contract, they did an NFT project, they sold the NFT project out, probably making like mm-hmm. a couple, maybe two or three hundred thousand dollars, and they couldn't withdraw. Yes. 
It was locked in with lights. It was locked. So now what what goes wrong in that sort of so situation? Usually when you're developing code, you always have to make sure you test every feature out that you're putting in, especially yeah. in the smart contract. No winging it. Yeah, there's no winging <laughs> it and then say, I'm going to try on the day and let's see if this all goes okay. Um, because one thing you realize also is when you test things, not everything works out also the first time. Um, you always have to develop and adjust things. And um, if you don't put a withdrawal function within your smart contract, that funds are going to be locked in the blockchain and it becomes very difficult to even get the transactions out. I mean, I'm not sure if there is a way to get it out. I'm sure people can work around certain things, but it becomes a challenge and a nightmare. I mean, imagine if you invested all your money in something, you could never touch it again. You could be on the brink of being a millionaire or starting something amazing, but the funds are locked. Like if you spent $10,000, yes. you made $100,000, and, and you can see it. But you can't take it's it It's like the dudes that locked their Bitcoins in their yes, and, and forgot their passwords. passwords. That's what it becomes like, you know? So um, that sucks. It does, and uh, it's always important if you're going into smart contracts, test every feature, every function that you create. Yeah. You know, test it on the you get Ringerby test network. You can test it on that or on Remix Ethereum. They allow you to test your smart contract there. And if you want to apply it into the real, the real world, you can always try Polygon because Polygon is very cheap. Um, try to try out to deploy a smart contract, you know, when we were doing testing for Nebula, we tested a lot on Polygon to see if things worked yeah, yeah. first, you know, before we went into the bigger blockchains like Ethereum, because imagine, imagine paying $700 for a smart contract, you make your money and you can't withdraw your cash at the end ah. of the day. So uh, always be careful, always do your research, also it's very important. D-Y-O-R. Do your own research. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we also, yeah, because a part of this podcast is for people to learn about the yes. thing, parts of NFTs, Web3, crypto. I think like smart contracts are really, really important because you hear about all the time. Yes. Like I remember um, I was going to mint the Cool Pets, which was mm -hmm. the second collection that came out of the Cool Cats. Yeah. Um, and it actually got delayed by like, I think nearly two weeks mm. because they said that there was going to be a that when they were about to open the the smart contract to allow us to mint the cool pets that there was going to be a bot attack on the wow. smart contract and so they had to revise mm. the various parts of the smart contract so yes in essential a smart contract can be hacked yes all depends on how you code it like um if you look at say for instance let's look at pre-sale functionality right yeah or mint pass. So say you hand out all these mint passes, all these free pre-sales to maybe 10 people. Yeah. And you allocate each one to only be able to mint three, right? Mm -hmm. So say for instance, they mint it and then some people, if they are smart, um, what no, they I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what they end up doing is they transfer those NFTs out of their wallet that they purchased with, where they got the mint pass or the pre-sale pass cool. in. Cool. And then they are able to mint again. So that's already a loophole, like a bug in yeah. the smart contract. Yeah. So you have to obviously set up parameters that prevent um, people from minting more than they're allowed to. Yeah, because a lot of projects say like, okay, cool, you guys can mint two on a public wallet, or yes. three on pre-sale. Uh, obviously the mint passes as you hand them out, but there was even another project uh, where there was a whale yes. that went in and pulled like 500 out of the 7,000 that was available. And I remember at the time we could only mint like 10 of those. Yes. And then uh, how, take me, take us, I say me, all of us listening, take us through like 
what what would really happen? Does the uh, because obviously we know in the movies they press a bunch of buttons <laughs> on a keyboard and they access mainframes and databases. But yeah. like hacking a smart contract, do you, would you say it's an easy thing? I would say it depends on who's on the other end, you know, okay. the, um, code, yeah. the code. So if you design your smart contract and there's a lot of loopholes, if someone, because smart contract is open source, you know, everybody can yeah. see your smart contract yeah, and you put it up on scan. Yeah. you know, everything is there. So if you have someone who knows how smart contracts are built, knows all the loopholes and can see where you make a mistake, if they read your smart contract and they find, okay, here's a loophole, I can actually make 20 if I do it like this and like yeah. this. Yeah. Um, then you open up the door for people who uh, are in the industry, who code, who are hackers, and they are able to then yeah. do more than what you allocated them to. Wow. So That's pretty wild. It's always good to be cautious, you know. Take your time building a smart contract. Um, look at every avenue. Read up on stories on how other people have made mistakes and errors because, yeah. you know, it's an, one thing I love about... Uh, Web3 and especially in coding is everybody's there to help out everybody. Absolutely. That's yeah. partly why yes. we do this podcast. That's 100%. Yeah. You, you know, you might get some guys who want to do bad things or bad hackers or what we call them black hat hackers. Black hat, yeah. You know, people who have malicious code added in. But you also get the others that are really there to help you. So yeah. that's always good to, you know, do your research, try and understand. Um, take your time, understand every aspect of the smart contract as you can um, to better your development process. And when you deploy it, you might deploy a smart contract that revolutionizes everything, you know, takes people a step further, you know, keep adding value to what smart contracts are to take us to the point where I would see them, you know, in the future, where they'd be used in our everyday lives. You, you must be really passionate about smart contracts if you <laughs> talk a lot about them. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time today. I mean, it's really cool to sit down with you and really understand a very intrinsic part of NFT projects and not just NFT projects, like the whole the whole idea of this tokenization of, of real-life objects uh, and real trading that will take place in future. So it's really, really exciting. Uh, to everybody that's listened, thank you so much. Be sure to join us on Discord, on Twitter, on Instagram, YouTube. And may you mint rares, may your flaws rise, and that NFTs change your life. See you. Have a good one.